0: Once upon a time. In a land far away. I'm Katrina. And I'm Jeff. This is the Fairytellers Podcast.
1: Myth, legend, folklore,
0: fable. We explore what they say about cultures then and now.
1: Grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat.
0: While we tell you a tale.
1: Welcome back to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. And if episodes were Dalmatian puppies, Cruella DeVille would be after us because this <laughs> is episode 101.
0: <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Uh, yeah, super excited to be back in the new year, 2024. Starting off strong with our 101st puppy
1: 101
0: all right so we're gonna start off strong this year with a very rare correction that we're gonna be making
1: because we never say anything wrong (laughs)
0: ever (laughs) no normally it's just we have we avoid making mistakes it's because it's really hard in this format to attach the mistake like the correction to correction to like the episode that had the mistake but This one, I've gotten so many messages about. And listen, everybody was respectful. Everybody was loving. And I, I loved it. I absolutely loved the amount of people that reached out. So if you were one of those people that reached out to me about this, I love you forever. So great. In our 100th episode, I didn't know who to attribute a quote to. And so I said, probably Eartha Kitt or Dolly Parton. And I was absolutely wrong. The quote is, my mom said to me one day, "You should settle down and marry a rich man." I said, "Mom, I am a rich man," and that is a quote from Share. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love how many people like reached out. They're like, "It's not Dolly Parton, it's not Eartha Kitt, it is Share." Just so you know, that quote was Share. Share said that, and I was like, "Thank you for correcting me, absolutely, and for reaching out with this like important." you know, piece of information. I knew it had to be a powerhouse woman and it absolutely was. So thank you to everybody for staying vigilant.
1: I'm just going to say this though. The only reason Dolly Parton didn't say that is because her mama never said that to her. You know what I mean? (laughs) If her mama had said that to her, Dolly Parton 100% would have said that. I have no doubt. Yeah. That's a hill I'll die on. A hill right outside of Dollywood.
0: So yeah, just wanted to start off that episode with that little bit of a correction and to say thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast reaches out for the most important things no i seriously i love it but speaking of another episode in our 89th episode jeffrey said and i quote poor tales will be the last episode of the fairy tellers podcast <laughs>
1: why did i say that so, That's so funny. the
0: reference you made that reference because in episode 89 we were doing different turkish tales and one of the tales that we retold was a pork tale something about dogs i think i'll have to go back and listen to the episode but i noted it down when you said it because i was like <laughs> i was like hilarious prophecy let's see <laughs> and because it was like a little pork tail and we had said like, oh, we've been meaning to do like an episode dedicated to pork quatail or something about pork quatails. And we've been talking about it since episode one <laughs> when we were talking about definitions of like different tail types and stuff like that. And it we've just never gotten around to it, even though pork quatails have been peppered throughout You know, the hundred and whatever episodes of, like, the podcast that we've done. like
1: 101. We established that very clearly with my joke at the beginning (laughs) of the episode, Katrina.
0: Yeah. In my head, I was also counting, like, some of, like, the lives and stuff like that. Um, Okay, fine. (laughs) But, yeah, they've been peppered, like, throughout, like, our content history. And so I just thought it was so funny when you said that. And so I wrote it down. So, in fact... This is going to be uh, our pourquoi tale episode, but it will not, in fact, be our last episode. And And
1: if my TikTok tarot readers start making some really negative (laughs) predictions about the end of the world, I'm going to be extremely concerned about how well this is lining up with my accidental prophecy.
0: Seriously, I was like... When I was thinking of, like, how we were going to enter this topic, I was like, what if I say this? Like, this will not be our last episode. And then, like, immediately something catastrophic happens.
1: (laughs) Is particle board technically wood? Because I'm knocking on it.
0: Nice. I've got some bamboo. Does that count as wood? Oh.
1: Bamboo is definitely wood.
0: I have so many wooden items. Ooh. Near me, that was a Matroshka doll. I don't know if I'm supposed to be punching a Matroshka doll. <laughs> you know how the old superstition smack a <laughs> <laughs> Matryoshka doll.
1: You, by knocking on wood on the Matroshka doll, you have, no, well, it's like you've gone afoul of whatever thing and that's what's going to cause the catastrophic thing that caused the end of the podcast. It's one of those mm. like the fate we tried to avoid oh, our fate no. and brought about our fate just like the stories we are telling every single episode of this podcast. Oh my gosh. The hubris and foibles of man and womankind. Humankind.
0: That's gonna be the our next podcast is gonna be called <laughs> the, the the human foibles. <laughs> of-
1: the, the hubris and human foibles of man and woman <laughs> and humankind. <laughs>
0: So this will not be our last episode. <laughs> and we are going to be starting our journey towards our next hundred episodes with Pork Wah Tales. Nice. Yeah. I thought that lined up quite nicely. So I wanted to have more of a format for our Pork Wah episodes to make them really stand out. And these tales are like very, very numerous. And usually a lot of them are pretty short too. And so... Instead of doing a single episode that would not do the vast array of Pork Quattails justice, I figured that we would start a series. We just finished the se- a series last year. Obviously, we needed a new series. So I thought a series on Pork would be pretty great. And I came up with a title for the series, which is over pretentious and unnecessary and the title of the series is going to be called the why of poor Tales. tales so we're going to be discussing the different reasons why these tales are told and obviously i thought that was very clever because poor is why in french and so it's like the why of why tales yes yeah
1: Monsieur Masson would be uh, very pleased.
0: Indeed. Merci à toi, Mr. Masson. And I'm going to call him Mr. Because I'm not going to call him
1: Monsieur. His last name is French enough. Yeah. You get it.
0: So with poor tails, tales, it is hard to tell which came first. The chicken or the egg. The chicken egg. or the
1: egg. <laughs> that was like the worst, stupidest joke, but we both It was. There. It was
0: such low-hanging fruit. <laughs> So tales of etymology or myth or both. So small scale stories like how jackrabbit got its long ears and why snakes don't have legs or large creation stories like how the earth was formed and where humans come from. The lines of distinction between these two kinds of tales, it's very blurry. There is a lot of overlap. With a lot of definitions that we give about stories, we have found this to be true where it's like where is something a fairy tale, where is it not a fairy tale but it is a folk tale? At what point is something a legend, myth,
1: folklore, fable?
0: <laughs> We're going to explore what those <laughs> So anyway, there there is just a lot of crossover and Lack of distinction with some stories. And it also gets a little political or colonialist when people try to look at definitions. Because, like, when somebody says, Oh, myths are any stories that are about creation pre Christianity, obviously that's problematic because that's saying that, like, oh, Christian stories aren't mythologies, even though they also are talking about like the creation of the world and, and gods and you know the, the the bigger things and so um but then you know old testament is pre-christianity so i guess that does count as myth whoa yeah. but th- like so th- it can get pretty political like when people say like for instance the aboriginal Dreamtime tales if they say oh well you know those are like poor qua tales those don't count as myth that's problematic because then also you're putting kind of like a judgment value on like that. Oh, myths are for more established story or whatever. So the language itself for how things get these distinctions can be like very political, very geopolitical. And so like it, it in itself is a little fascinating how they, what differentiates what? So, Porquat tales have a connotation in many people's minds as a way for simple or barbaric societies to make sense of the world around them, and that is not the case. So in this series, we're going to be examining why people throughout time tell porquois tales that are not just, oh, well, they needed something to explain how the world was because they didn't understand science or they were incapable of making observations aligned with science. No, it's, that's not the reason why. And we're going to be telling some stories in this episode to kind of debunk that idea. So pourquoi stories are found around the world and we've discussed a lot of them, as we said, over the years without talking about the tales directly. Just because they come up a lot, they are all over the world. So in Australia, some of the Dreamtime tales, as I mentioned, are believed by Aboriginals to be records of historical events. And then other tales are coded messages only understood by insiders and story keepers. But they are not the only ones who did that. In Africa, the tales are used to explain the key attributes of different animals, not only what they look like, but what behavior we can expect from them if we encounter them in the wild. And they were not the only ones. In the Americas, indigenous people created stories to track the migration patterns of various animals and growth cycles of seasonal plants. And when Europeans came in, they used tall tails to solidify their origin stories on the continent they aimed to take over. And they were not the only ones. None of these reasons for poor Qua Tales is unique to any group of people. These Venn diagrams of reasons all overlap with each other. And the reason why all tales are told and why they stay in the mind of the people who tell them are because they are entertaining. <laughs> because they also say something... That resonates deeply with the people who are telling this story. People can sit around a campfire, they can be spinning in groups, they can be sitting on a boat, and they can cook dinner while entertaining each other with these tales and many other reasons. So, in this episode about Porkwa Tales, I want to focus on just one thing, and that is dispelling the belief that these stories have to be believed to be the true or scientific origin of something. Because a lot mm-hmm. of times people will think like, oh, people used to believe that this really happened. No, no, they didn't. And there's no proof within the story <laughs> that they did actually believe yeah. that what they were saying was capital T true. It might contain truths, but that doesn't mean that the people believed it to be you know, a scientific explanation about something.
1: Right. Which I thought was really interesting what we just said, too i mean a lot there's a lot really interesting but it stands out as like the exact opposite as far as when you're talking about you know indigenous peoples in the Americas using it to track migratory patterns or even in africa tracking like the behavior of animals like there's this funny story that explains why they do this behavior that they actually do do and you know what i mean and yeah. it's like it is actually you know they're using it as a way i mean i'm not not to say they are but it's kind of like it's proving that they can make these observations that are true about the world. And that's like a way to remember it in a way. It's the same as like, I remember the colors of the rainbow or Roy G Biv because of some weird, like I imagine like a weird guy whose name is like Roy G Biv or whatever yeah. you want to say. And he wears like a rainbow suit and walks around and is like, Hey, I'm, I'm Roy G Biv. It's like, and that guy does not exist. I know that, but it helps me remember the fact that red, orange, yellow, green, indigo, and violet are the colors that we've decided are the colors of the rainbow, even though there are many more than that. Yeah. Like, Blue indigo. Do those need to be separate? I don't want to get into that (laughs) fight right now, but I say not.
0: But what you're saying, like, yes, absolutely. Of, like, does Jeff really believe that there is a man named Roy G. Biv who runs around in a rainbow suit? Yes. But (laughs) he only comes out at pride parades. (laughs) I love the idea of somebody dressing up in, like, a rainbow suit and their, like, drag name is, like, Roy G. Biv. Roy
1: G. Biv. I, I I
0: guarantee it's already been done. I
1: bet you there's a Roy G Biv Instagram account out there. <laughs> He's he says cuz Katrina always goes out then and makes And then I'm Instagram like, "Oh, account.
0: now it's going to be mine." So yeah, like the stories can contain information that is true and because it is communicated in a way that is more evocative in the imagination, it also help it's like a it's a mnemonic device. Yeah. And so for different tales, like, they can serve that kind of a purpose. And, like, the things that I just mentioned are, are like, basically, like, the outline of what what kind of this Porquois project is going to be, is, like, looking at those, like, different reasons why these stories get told. And it's really fascinating to be looking at all of these different places around the globe and seeing what they do the same, what they do differently, and just see what it communicates to us about like the stories that we tell. But this first story that I have picked out is from Northern Ghana. And the reason why I picked it out is because it is a Porquois tale that it will become very evident very quickly in the tale that it is not an old, ancient Porquois tale. <laughs> Because I I want to very much dispel the idea that, you know, only like pre-scientific, like in in massive air quotes, pre-scientific communities can come up with these pork tales or that they're only relevant to like, quote unquote, pre-scientific or the word I used earlier, barbaric, because that's, you know, how anthropologists kind of used to, in the early days of anthropology, compare different cultures. But yeah, I want to dispel this idea that like, oh, these stories are for those types of people and not for, quote unquote, like better people or scientifically minded people or literate societies or however you want to categorize it. That's not the situation. And I also want to show that these stories obviously can be important and convey information or be entertaining or whatever without saying, oh, they literally believe that these stories happened. So what these stories do carry with a lot of them is the observation of animal behavior. Not all Porquois stories feature animals, but the one I'm about to tell, it it is definitely observation of animal behavior, but this story isn't literally believed to be the origin of this behavior. It is just for fun. This first tale is called The Taxi Ride, (laughs) which is why it becomes very clear why... This is not an old, old tale. So if you have ever gone on a drive through the country, which I seriously starting off, I just want to say, I love that this story is like kind of place specific because like in a lot of places, there are places in America where I can imagine that this is happening. But I feel like if you live in a city, you're not familiar with this behavior And so this story is kind of like place specific and we'll talk about that, but I can imagine it so well in my head. But anyway, so if you ever go driving in the country, you might happen to see a donkey on the side of the road and he will just stand there and watch as you go by. Even if you start honking your horn at him, he won't do anything. He will just keep standing there and staring at you. But if you happen to pass by a goat, He will see the taxi coming and he will run as fast as he can to get away from it. And if you ever see a dog near the road, more often than not, he'll start chasing that car. And the people of northern Ghana have a story to explain why this is so. So a long time ago, when cars first came to the roads, I love that it was like a long time ago when cars first came to the roads, which is like, It's not too terribly long ago. I mean, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm like "Eh," because my grandma before
1: my time. I guess that's true. Your grandma was alive like before (laughs) cars came around.
0: No, but uh, she, (laughs) she, she, (laughs) but she. I mean, okay. So this is a thing that I think is really fascinating. When something is invented, even when it becomes kind of like common in a lot of houses, it does not go evenly. So yeah. like my dad is not very old when he was born his he, they did not have indoor plumbing in the house that they were in cuz they lived out in the country. Oh wow. And so he remembers he he remembers when they moved to a house when he was 6 that had a toilet. And so like even if a phone, even if like everybody in like a big city like New York or whatever is like, oh yeah, I remember when we got a central line on the phone. It doesn't mean that everybody in the world when right. that when, like first got that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so with my grandma, what I was gonna say was like, I she's talked to me about like the first time that she rode in a car.
1: <laughs> and it was like a it was a thing. Yeah. It was like the first time I rode in a car was on my way home from the hospital two days after I was born. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was a normal thing for me.
0: Like these resources are not evenly like distributed. And so, yeah. yeah, when it's like, oh, a long time ago when they first got cars. And I'm like, it's funny because when you think, oh, a long time ago and it like land far away, and it's like, nope, they mean a long time ago when they first got cars. Yeah. And it's part of me
1: just wondering if there's, if that's a little bit like tongue in cheek, not like tongue in cheek, but like in referencing, like, you know, we hear about other like poor quattails that are about like, yeah. How the moon came to be or something that's, like, billions and billions of years. Yeah, yeah, but we're yeah. talking about, like, you know, within our grandparents' lifetimes yeah. or whatever when they first were on a car.
0: Yeah. Um, what I,
1: are they, like, kind of, like, winking at it with that or not? I don't know. Well, Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But
0: Like, what I think is really interesting is in the United States, we are very much a car-heavy culture yeah. where everybody has a car. You basically need a car to, like, get around. But there are other places, and I'm wondering if it's like this in, like, northern Ghana where this story is, where yeah. the majority of people don't have cars. Taxis are more prevalent than personal cars because if somebody needs a car to drive, it's a, such a rare occasion that they're just going to get a taxi to take them somewhere. They live in walking distance of where they work, where they shop, where they, like, yeah. and so it is more of, like, people don't just have Cars just to have cars. They're not devoting so much of their infrastructure to where am I going to park this car? Where is this car going to drive? Where is it going to be?
1: You know what I'm going to find really interesting is why these animals <laughs> behave so differently when they see a car on the road.
0: Indeed. So you see, some time long ago, when cars first came to the road, there was a donkey, a goat, and a dog that all took a ride in a taxi. Mm. They were trying to get home to the villages that they lived in. And so they decided that what they would do is, you know, I guess pull their resources and get in a taxi. So when they got to the first village, the donkey tapped the driver on the shoulder and said, hey, this is my stop. How much do I owe you? And the driver told him five coins. So the donkey paid, got out. The driver kept on going down the road, still with the goat and the dog in the car And pretty soon they got to the next stop and the goat tapped the driver on the shoulder and said, hey, this is my stop is where I get off. How much? And the driver said five coins, which I was like, that seems more than fair because he went, he like drove farther than the first guy. But it's fine. It's not my taxi. I'm not making up, you know, whatever. But when goat heard five coins, he was like, oh, I don't have that much money with me. So he decided he was just going to jump straight out of the taxi and (laughs) run on down the road without paying the driver, which that is bad form. Listen, he when he heard five coins for that first stop and he already didn't have five coins, he should have bailed then. I'm just saying it's that's Mm. that's bad form. But listen, I'm sure it was like their first taxi ride. I don't think he was prepared. But again, it's not good form. Anyway, so. The taxi driver decided, well, better just keep on going. We're not going to get that goat to come back and give me my money. (laughs) So he kept on driving and he still had dog, you know, in the car. So, so when they got to where a dog was ready to get out, he tapped the driver on the shoulder and asked how much. And the driver again said five coins, which I'm like, listen, I think that's pretty fair. So the dog got out of the car. He took out his bag of coins and he started to count them out. And the driver seeing that dog had a whole bag of coins and feeling a little irritated that he had gotten given goat a free ride, the driver decided he was just going to grab the whole bag of coins from dog and drive (laughs) off down the road. And so that's what he did. And so now you know why the donkey, a goat, and a dog all do different things when they see a car coming. Donkey, he didn't know why you're honking at him. He's paid his fare. (laughs) It's like, yeah, get out of the road, donkey. Goat, he's scurrying because he's like, I don't want that guy to find me and try to get those five (laughs) coins from me. And Dog (laughs) chases after the driver because he's trying to get his money back.
1: That's awesome. I love that.
0: I love that story so much. One, because I don't know about donkey, but there is a town near where I live in Nevada that they're kind of known for being overrun with Wild Burrow. Which are like wild donkeys, and they will they will you're like driving in the middle of nowhere desert, and they'll be standing in the road, and they don't care, you're like honking your horn at them, and they're like, "What? what what?" and it's like, get move, get out, I'm what's wrong with you, but they don't care, and then yeah, i I don't have much much uh to go on with like goats, but yeah dogs dogs always act so crazy erratic. By roads, it terrifies me, and now we know why they act that way, yeah, so I wanted to start off with that story because obviously, you know, we have a very modern setting where it's just like this story was invented, obviously when cars already existed. people were noticing how animals were reacting to this new invention of a car. And they noted the difference, like they made that observation about human behavior, noticed the differences between them, and then came up with a story. Mm -hmm. And like a fun, funny story that's like, okay, obviously nobody who is telling this story or hears this story thinks like, oh, this is a true story. (laughs) This is based off of a historical event.
1: Yeah, and all dogs have like a a blood feud against all taxis <laughs> because one of their ancestors was stolen from.
0: Yeah, and I believe this. I have a testimony of it. <laughs> I want to, like, bear witness of the truthfulness of this story. No, like, it. it's a pork quattail, and it does not have to be scientific. It does not have to be, like, capital T truth and believed by anybody to be a pork quattail. And the reason why I say this is just so that, like, as we are telling tales from like around the world about these other countries, I don't want anybody to be thinking to themselves. And I'm sure, I'm sure our audience wouldn't be thinking this, but I don't want there to be like a, like a misconception that like, oh, these people who believe these stories and telling these stories, gee, were they dumb? And we're so much smarter than they are now. No, no, that is not the situation. And that's not why the stories have staying power. The the staying power has nothing to do with because people believed them to be true. It goes a lot deeper than that. So to carry on with this, I have some other stories that were recorded by Zora Neale Hurston in her book, Mules and Men. Again, in a lot more modern times than a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, like this book was mm. written while my grandmother was alive, which is apparently like how I'm measuring <laughs> if something is like prehistory or not <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh. sorry to my grandma, who recently became a great great grandma.
1: oh my gosh, yeah,
0: shout out to my. Cousin's daughter for having a baby. I won't. Congrats (laughs) congrats to Nebulous person who had a baby. And
1: congrats to anyone who had a baby. If you had a baby, listener, congratulations. Yeah. That's an exciting time. That is an exciting time. My sister just had a baby. And it was super exciting. Got to meet the baby over Christmas. Adorable. So, anyway, yeah. Shout out to my sister and shout out to you, newly babied (laughs) listener.
0: (laughs) Newly babied listener. Perfect. Perfection.
1: And your cousin's daughter. Who's not a listener, probably.
0: No, but. that's what I was like, oh, I don't want to name her. I don't want to put her on blast, especially because I was like
1: <laughs> Name her and shame her.
0: <laughs> How kidding. dare you make my grandma a great great grandma?
1: She's still alive?
0: Oh yeah, she is.
1: I mean, obviously that would be weird to be like
0: No, listen. You
1: don't you don't say that about dead people. Yeah, like, She's I'm, a great great grandma. No, she's not. She's dead. She's nothing. Then I would well, no, yeah, because not I'm like but. the
0: man that she was married to, who would be a great right. great grandpa if he was still alive. Uh, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have some really fun stories from when Zora Neale Hurston was collecting these tales in Florida, obviously in like the 1930s and 40s. So you know, obviously, the people who were telling these stories. Also, did not literally believe them. They were enjoying sitting around telling each other these tales, just having a good old time. I think that it's just important to remember that, like these stories, they are for talking about like societal values, things like that. But again, this is obviously a group of people in a society that is not pre-scientific, and they do not believe these stories. So this story capital T true is about
1: Ciscat, and one day. SisCat got hungry. And so she caught herself a nice big rat and sat down to eat just a great meal of delicious rat.
0: <clears throat> yum, yum.
1: And the, and the rat, not wanting to be made a delicious meal of, tried and tried to get loose, but Ciscat was too fast, too strong. So she held on to that rat. And just as she started to eat him, the rat says, wait, hold on, Cis Cat." don't you have any manners? You're going to sit up here at the table and you're going to eat without washing your hands and face. And Siscat was super hungry, but she's like, I don't want this rat that I'm about to eat to think that I don't have any manners. Yeah,
0: that'd be embarrassing. Oh,
1: that'd be so embarrassing. So she's like, all right. She went and she went to the water. She washed her face, washed her hands. And when she got back, surprise, surprise, the rat was gone.
0: Surprise, surprise. surprise surprise
1: empty ratless dinner table so she went out caught herself another rat and sat down to eat and so this rat said the same thing said where are your manners sis cat are you going to eat without washing your face and hands and so sis cat said to this rat "It's like oh I have plenty of manners but I eat my dinner and then I wash my face and hands using my manners afterwards so there she went on Ate the rat, then washed her face and her hands. And that's why the cats been washing after eating ever since.
0: I love it. Again, it's like an observation of animals, of like cats that like after they eat, they're, you know, sitting there cleaning up their paws, cleaning up their face. Like that's just a thing. So one thing that I, makes me sad is that some of these stories, they're so short, but what is good is that That means that we have time to tell lots of stories. This next one, also Zora Neale Hurston tale, and it is about the wind and the water. And one thing I highly recommend that people read, like Zora Neale Hurston and Mules and Men, we've talked about in past episodes that the way that she writes is that she is including like how people would speak like their dialect and wherein Joel Chandler Harris and his like Br'er Rabbit stories he mm. would kind of do a similar thing except it was very like minstrel show being like oh this is how how they talk and listen to how it like he was basically like it's so funny how they talk while Zora Neale Hurston she is more recording just like how her people speak And I feel like there is definitely something to be added to trying to get like an audio book version of Mules and Men so that you can hear it spoken. It's a little bit harder to read it the way that it's spoken. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely not going to be reading it the way that it is written because out of my white mouth, um, it sounds very problematic. Anyway, so the wind And the water were both women. That is the premise that we all have to agree on at the beginning of the story. All right. And it says they used to talk together a whole heap, which I love that. Because obviously the thing we know about women is they do be talking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that it makes sense because I think of the ocean or a babbling brook or like even the wind like rustling through the leaves like. The fact that they're talking to each other, like that, makes a lot of sense yeah. because I do. Those are natural things that do make sound.
0: Yeah, that's true. I like that. But and th- your thing, and so they have to be women because <laughs> women talk, men don't.
1: <clears throat> I didn't say that. I didn't say. You mm-hmm. did say that. Mm-hmm. We have recorded proof of you saying
0: <laughs> it. He edited it to make me look bad.
1: It's AI. I swear.
0: <laughs> so anyway, so wind. Woman, water, woman, too. And so Mrs. Wind used to go down to the ocean and they would talk with each other while they did their patching and crochet, which obviously I love.
1: <laughs> that I do resonate
0: with uh, as a woman. Um, but one of the things that they liked to do when they were hanging out with with each other was to talk about their children and to brag on them. They would be bragging about their children. So Miss Water... She would say, like, oh, have you seen my children? I've got the biggest children and the littlest children. <laughs> all in the I, world. I've got both extremes. I've got both extremes of children. And when she's talking about her children, she's talking about, you know, like, she's got whales. And she's also uh-huh. got, like, you know, like the...
1: Phytoplankton. Yeah,
0: phytoplankton.
1: <laughs> and zooplankton. Yeah. Both the planktons. My guess is phytoplankton's even smaller than zooplankton, but mm-hmm. that's just something I... I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, that you're like intuiting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, based on nothing. But fast, I'm not a marine biologist, even though every child I grew up with, including myself, wanted to be one when they grew up in like second grade or whatever year and grade it was when the movie Free Willy came out.
0: That's for real. That's for true. This is a marine biology podcast. So, yeah, Mrs. Water was just like, I have all kinds of children and they're every color in the world and every shape. Which, yeah, I've seen anglerfish. I live in terror. <laughs> like, ma'am, you have eels. Gross.
1: She meant every shape. Yeah. Starfish.
0: Yeah, star. Long tube. There's so many long tubes th- that live in the ocean. Gross. You know what I'm talking about.
1: The fiber optic cables that spread the internet <laughs> from continent to continent.
0: <laughs> yep. No, I'm like, They've got sea cucumbers and then there's Uh, like pipe fish. There are all kinds of different tubes. Yeah. So yeah, kids.
1: She's very proud of them. Don't be smack talking them.
0: I would never. I live in. You
1: don't want Mrs. Water on your bad side. I live
0: in active terror every day.
1: But luckily you live far away from the influence of water. (laughs) Yeah, for real.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One of the rarest fish in the world lives in my state. Mm. The devil's hole guppy. (laughs)
1: i would say that you're making that up but i know that there are like fish like that in other places that like they only exist in like one pond in the whole world yeah because i was just listening to this tiktok that was about a treasure hunter that he couldn't get treasure that he thought he could find because there was some type of fish that like only existed in like his pond and one other.
0: yeah it's a pup fish not a guppy i embarrassed myself devil's hole pup fish
1: oh my gosh katrina I can't, do you know how many people are going to be writing in to correct you?
0: (laughs) They're like, um, you're an idiot. (laughs) The fish that lives in that hole is Cher.
1: (laughs) And she is a pupfish, not a guppy. You idiot. And she is one of a kind.
0: So very rare.
1: Water. Her children. Big, small, all shapes. Mostly tubes. Gross ones. Yes.
0: That was an excellent summary of what we've talked about thus far. So, Mrs. Wynn, she started bragging. It says, louder than the water woman. <laughs> and she says, my kids are even more different than your kids because they can do all kinds of things. I've got kids that can fly. I've got kids that can walk. Kids that can swim. The ones that sing and talk and cry. They can do all kinds of things that your dirty little fish children can't do. <laughs> Jeez. They've got flying fish. Settle down. Yeah, that's true.
1: I, so she's claiming all, like, land. I mean, I guess it makes sense. It sh- but Because like, yeah. even birds don't, like, to- just exist in the air. Well, she, the sh-
0: like, she is talking about animals that fly in yeah, the like, wind.
1: Li- yeah. And, like, breathe air. Well, yeah. I mean, okay, some of the animals that live in the ocean also breathe air. So, so
0: all feathered. I get it. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's all feathered things is what she's talking about.
1: Right. It just surprised... I thought they were all just going to... Oh, all feathered things.
0: It's all feathered things.
1: Oh, I thought... So, okay, that's where I thought it was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was going to go there, but then I thought that it was actually going to, like, just all, like, things that live on land. Yeah, because that's... Like, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because,
0: like, at first when she's talking about, like, things that fly and walk mm. and swim and blah, blah, blah. But no, no, no. She's talking about, like, birds, specific birds. Okay. Which it is, it is clear later in the story that that's what she is, gotcha. like, talking about. Because, yeah... It was like, not just all things that exist where there's wind. It's like, no, no, no. Things that like can, I would say fly on the wind, except that some of her birds, babies can't fly on the wind.
1: Like penguins? Yeah. And ostriches. Emus. Kiwis. Kiwis. May they rest in peace. Just kidding. (laughs) They're alive and well.
0: Well, some of them. Oh, they're not super well. They're not super well. (laughs) Anyway. So she's like, and I've got all different colored ones. Any color under the sun, which I was like, so do fish. So, mm.
1: but yeah, never mind. I was gonna say, you know, obviously, like parrots and stuff, like those are, it's like very, very colorful, but there are some pretty beautifully colored fish too.
0: So. Yeah. And I know that I said that I wasn't going to read this in the, like, it written in the voice, but I, I do love this quote where she's just like, Lord, my chillin' show is a pleasure. Tain't nobody got no babies like mine. I love that. I was just like, oh, yeah. I like that. Cause I, I can hear it. Like, I read it and I'm like, oh, I can hear it. Anyway, so both of the ladies got tired of hearing about the other person's bragging and they started to hate, like, (laughs) you know, each other's, they're like, oh, she thinks her kids are so good, thinks her kids are so good. So anyway, Mrs. Waters started getting really frustrated. She was like, hmm, Miss Wynne thinks that her kids are so much better than mine. They're not so much better than mine. And meanwhile, some of Mrs. Wynne's children started to get thirsty And so they were saying like, oh, mama, we're really thirsty. What should we do? And she was like, oh, yeah, just go over to Mrs. Water, get your fill of drink, and then come on back over. So her kids wandered off to go over to where Miss Water was to get a drink. And then they never came back. And she started to get worried about where her kids were. So she went over to Mrs. Water and was like, hey, did you see my kids today? And Mrs. Water was like, "Mm, no. But Miss Wynne knew that her children had come down to Miss Water's house. And so she decided that she was going to fly over the ocean calling for her children. And every time she called out, white feathers came up to the top of the water. And that's how she knew that her babies had been drowned by Mrs. Water. And that's how come we have white caps on the waves. And when you see a storm on the water, it's wind and water fighting over them children. Oh, man. I'm like, ooh, that murder. took
1: such a dark turn. It did. That's not what I expected at all. No. I kind of don't like it.
0: <laughs> you, but yeah. I do also kind yeah. of like no, it. You I know get what it. I mean? I get it. You historically, in the 100 plus episodes, you know, of, of various bonus materials and such that we have made together, the, what one thing I've learned about you is You really hate it when people's kids get killed. Yeah. It just doesn't sit right with you.
1: Yeah. We're like, oh my children, they're so great. They're so like and it's getting me thinking about like animals and the different animals and like different birds. I'm like, oh, they're so awesome. They're so cool. And then they get killed.
0: She killed them all. Yeah. And the white caps that you see on the sea. Yeah. Because Miss Water killed them. (laughs) Like, oh no. I don't like that. So I have a story that I think that you will think is funny. And then I think I'm going to end with one because Zora Neale-Harson, this book, Mules and Men, it has so many good, like, poor Qua tales, um, which is why I thought it was such a good one to talk about, like, people in modern times are telling these stories. These aren't like, oh, ancient stories, which is why I was like, Zora Neale-Harson, perfect place to look for, for like these tales. Uh, So yeah, I have one that I think that you, mm, it's, it's a fun one to tell. And I think you'll be fine with it. (laughs) I'm like, Hmm, let me say, but I think we'll be fine with it. And everybody, everybody in it, almost everybody in it dies. So I think you'll be fine with it. Um, Mm. and then the one that I'm going to end on is one that I'm like, Oh, I just think it's beautiful. Like just thinking about like, it's beautiful. So this next one is how come cats have nine lives? (laughs) Uh which i do I, i'm like once again another cat story which i do think like it is funny because like the animals that people interact with the most are usually the ones that you have tales about the most because they're the ones where like yeah. you have time to like observe this animals like particular behavior and comment on it and one of the things about mm-hmm. cats that people have noticed is like they're pretty good about getting themselves out of like a tough situation Sometimes do they care about themselves more than they care about the survival of somebody else? Yeah. Like, sometimes cats are a little bit like, oh, I'm going to take care of me over anybody else. But hey, it's one of the reasons why we love them. Mm -hmm. So this story starts off how there are like a lot of stories that start off with like a tough situation of like they were in the middle of a famine and a drought. There's no water, no food. Everything was getting scarce and scary. There's a lot of stories that start off like with that, like an mm-hmm. extreme like situation. And so I think it's interesting that like this one kind of follows that pattern. But anyway, so the story starts off, and there is a man with his wife and five children, and a cat and a dog. And I do think it this is also interesting in like Zora Neale Hurston's, like in a lot of the stories that she collects, there's usually a man who has like a wife and then a bunch of kids. And then they also include in the family a dog and a cat, but <laughs> like, mm. like the family unit isn't complete without like a dog and a cat. And so they had come across some hard times. You know, everybody was having a hard time staying alive. One thing that I love is it says one night, this man laid in his bed and then consulted with his pillar. That means he talked it over with his wife And I'm like, Mm. I love that pillar of strength or pillar of salt. Are we talking biblically? Like, (laughs) oh, but anyway, his pillar is strength. He was like, let me talk this over with my wife, like what I should do. And so she said, so tomorrow what you need to do is get your pole and go to the lake and see if you can catch fish. See if there's any fish in the lake. That's our last chance, because even the fish have gotten scarce. It says. The fish have gotten so scarce and educated. They're hard to catch. I'm like, I love that. Then she's like, nah, they're on to us. They're too smart to get caught. Swimming in the
1: seas, get degrees. So stupid.
0: That was pretty stupid, but I love it. Anyway, so the man, he went out fishing all day long until he'd caught seven fish. Says they weren't big trout nor mud cats. Just like, just little fish that'd just be enough for each person. And so mm-hmm. him, his wife, five kids, he's got seven fish, but he decided, hey, right. I'm not gonna go home until after I've caught enough
1: to feed the to whole feed the family. whole
0: family, including the cat and the fish. Dog. Including the dog and the cat.
1: <laughs> gonna feed so- <laughs> fish to fish?
0: I'd be an abomination.
1: <laughs> fish eat fish all the time.
0: Oh, they do, absolutely. It's their
1: favorite food. Anyway.
0: So he stayed out on the lake fishing until sundown until he was able to catch a fish for the dog and the cat. So he brought them all home and he took them home to his wife and she cooked them up. And after they had gotten all cooked up, the woman said, hey, we need to go down and get some drinking water, but I'm too weak to fetch it all by myself can you come down with me and the man was like of course i'll come down with you so we can carry up some water for the whole family so he turned to his children and he said hey we're gonna go and get some water i need you to guys to keep watch and make sure that the cat stays off the fish because she is for sure going to steal it if she can (laughs) because that's just in her nature Mm -hmm. so of course the children told their dad yeah Yeah, we can definitely, we'll definitely keep an eye out for the cat. For sure, we'll do that. But alas, children be childrening. And they were not paying attention to the cat and they started to run around and play and fool and they forgot all about the cat. And so she jumped up onto the table and she ate all of the fish but one. So she was so full that she couldn't hold another mouthful without bursting wide open. So. When the man and the woman came back and they saw that the cat had eaten all of the fish, they knew that they weren't going to have any fish to save their life. But the old man said, hey, you know what? If this cat eats one more fish, it'll kill her. So he fed them like this is so dark. He He fed the last fish to the cat. And then he and all of his kids died of starvation. The dog died of starvation. And the cat died from being so full to bursting of fish.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: So when they went up to heaven. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because the man said he was like, "Uh, I'm going to make her greedy gut kill her.
1: Oh, gosh. (laughs) I
0: was like, that's messed up. And then they all died. But the cat died first, which, listen, I know this is morbid. Listen, listen. Right?
1: Why didn't they just eat the cat and or the like... Fish that was still inside of it. Yeah. Fairly I'm like, fresh. Yeah. If you're gonna die of starvation.
0: Like gut that cat, dump its, you know, stomach contents into a bowl of soup or something, make fish stew.
1: Yeah.
0: They got all that water. Yeah. Uh, eat no, and then they and then, and
1: then <laughs> Oh, they do. they just got it. They just
0: brought yeah. Make make fish fish soup with the stomach contents of that cat and then eat mm-hmm. the cat. You and I are thinking like Donner Party level. We're
1: survivors.
0: (laughs) But okay, for the sake of the story, that's not what happened. So the cat died first. So the cat went up into heaven and then the rest of the family got there. So it said, when God put the man's soul on the scales to weigh it, the cat came up and was looking at the man and the man was looking down at the cat. And God was looking at how they were staring at each other and he was like, What's going on between you and this cat? Like, direct quote, man, what is it between you and this cat? (laughs) What's going on? Like, what is this? Why are you guys staring at each other? Because the cat's like, this guy killed me. And the guy's looking at the cat like, that cat killed my whole freaking family. (laughs) The man, like, looks down at the cat and he's like, God, that cat got all of our nine lives in her belly. Which I thought was funny. It said her, this This cat has been switching gender because it was like he was already in heaven and then like she's got all. It's fine.
1: You know, that's an interesting observation, though, because the cat is probably a male cat, but it is like a common thing, like a joke that like all cats are girls. Yeah. And all dogs are boys. You can't disprove that. But just kidding. But like, (laughs) you know, like I have cats and I don't want to say everyone, but almost everyone that comes to my house, both of my cats are boys but everyone almost everyone calls them like she she did this and like people that know like can't help themselves like oh she was doing this like she catches herself saying that too but anyway.
0: oddly enough jeff right now in this moment i'm remembering that yeah both of your cats are are boys in my mind you they're both of your cats are female like, I was like, Dinger is a girl. <laughs> I was going to say, and that's so funny because when you were starting to say that, I was thinking, people always think that my dogs are boys. Yeah. You, both of my dogs are girls.
1: Yeah. And my cats are boys, but everyone thinks that they're girls. And that's so like, I don't think, I don't know if this is really what was going on in the story, but it is funny to me that it's like, this cat is a male cat, but like its owners thought it was a girl cat because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they didn't, you know, no. And then yeah. people just think cats are girls. So that's- I'm saying that it's part of the story.
0: Yeah, nice. You know? You're you're like no, it's not a mess up, Katrina.
1: It's not a mess up. It's a boy cat, but the family thought that it was a girl.
0: Yeah. Oops, my bad.
1: <laughs> Which is another, you know, like we're talking about observations about animals, and that's another one that people yeah. think cats are girls and dogs are boys.
0: And I know that next time I see your cats, I'm still gonna think that they're girls, and I do <laughs> apologize for that.
1: One of them is like especially pretty.
0: Yes. Like f- like floofy.
1: Yeah, and like and f- like. And feminine looking, you know.
0: And that's why you named her Burger. <laughs> no, just kidding. Dinger. Which one Dinger, I think. Dinger is the one that I think the is most the of one. is the woman. All right. So so the man said, that cat's got all nine of our lives in her belly. And then he told God all about the fish. So then God looked hard at the cat for a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> dang. But it's, yeah, I was like, dang. But it seemed like a minute. And then he... God, God himself said, and I quote, Gabriel, Peter, Rayfield, John, and Michael, all y'all catch that cat and throw him out of heaven. <laughs> and so they did. And he was falling for nine days and there's been no cats in heaven ever since. But he still has all nine lives in his belly and you gotta kill him nine times before he'll stay dead. <laughs> I personally prefer to kill cats zero times. Same. That's a personal preference.
1: <laughs> that is funny. It went in a different direction too cuz you told me it was going to be about why cats have nine lives and I was expecting it to be not that. That's for sure. But Yeah. That is pretty funny. And like the reasoning is interesting too cuz it's like you know it has all it took all nine lives and those nine lives are still inside of it. it's like oh that's interesting. That's clever.
0: Yeah. It, it what's interesting too is like noting that like that is not a story that I would have come up with
1: yeah and the other interesting thing I think about it is that like it has a sort of like loose logic yeah you know what I mean like it's not something that's like in a way to me I don't know how to explain this but it like makes it feel like more true quote unquote yeah like that it like that the logic is like, oh, and that's just how it is. It's like, oh, it got the lives inside of the lives. Because it seems like if you were making up a story about why a cat has nine lives, like it would be like, it would make perfect sense. You know what I mean? It's like, because it's because of this thing, you know, because it it earned one life here where it took it from the thing and then it took its other life here or whatever, you know, like, I don't know how to explain it, but like that sort of like loose logic makes it feel all the more like true to me.
0: Yeah, of like, like both noting kind of like the selfishness of cat that like the stealing of uh-huh. fish and then like getting kicked out of heaven, which I think is another interesting thing. Like the idea yeah. that like all dogs go to heaven, uh-huh. but like cats are like, mm. which again, is interesting to me too, because it's like dogs have been domesticated for over th- like 30,000 years and yeah. cats, still are not domesticated. They just uh-huh. are habituated to us. Yeah. So some are okay living with us. And so it's just right. funny that we're like, obviously dogs, they're going to heaven with us,
1: uh-huh.
0: but not cats.
1: <laughs> and that the, the nine lives, it's like, it's a, a curse, not a blessing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, oh, you get to have nine lives. Like you're not going to, you know, you'll escape death eight times before it's final. It's like, no, it's not like a, something that it's getting as a reward. It's like, no, you will be killed. You will experience the pain, a painful death nine times. Yeah. Before you get to like, go on to like the piece of wherever, not of heaven, wherever.
0: <laughs> not heaven. All <laughs> cats go to purgatory. <laughs> like what? That'd be a weird Don Bluth movie. Yeah. I can imagine it though. I Don know. Bluth I want to see it
1: so bad.
0: <laughs> okay. So now, this last final one from Zora Neale Hurston. There are lots. As always, I always highly recommend people go out, read so many good classic tales that we don't cover on this podcast and just like, yeah, just good good colorful reading. I I encourage everybody. So, this is I'll just tell the story because I think it's just cute. Yep.
1: Go for it. Love it.
0: So, back when the Lord was making the earth, Before my grandmother. (laughs) Uh, So back when the Lord was making the earth, he was seeing so much bare ground and he was getting sick and tired of looking at it. And so he decided, you know what? I'm not quite done yet. And so he made fields and fields and fields of flowers. Oh, nice. After he had made all of those flowers and put them everywhere, The flowers started talking to each other, and they said, well, it'd be a whole lot nicer to live on this earth if we had more company. Don't you wish that there was some kind of creature that would come and talk to us so that we wouldn't be so Mm -hmm. lonesome? And God said, I think it's just so funny, a world of something ain't never finished. Soon as you make one thing, you got to make something else to go with it.
1: (laughs) If you give a field some flowers, it's going to want some critters to go visit them.
0: Yeah, it's going to want some company, which I was like, oh, that's so nice. So he was like, give me my pruning shears. And so he just walked around all those like fields and all that foliage and he just started taking little clippings off of everything. So little clippings of every color, and as he was making these little clippings, they were flying all around in all these multicolors, and people started calling them flutterbys. <laughs> and then it says, Zora Neale Hurston recorded a person saying this. I'm not saying this. Please let the record show I did not <laughs> say this. It says, but you know how it is with brothers in black. He got a big mouth and a stambling tongue. So he got it all mixed up and said butterfly and folks been calling them that ever since. And that's how come we have butterflies of every color and kind. And that's why they hang out with the flowers. Aww. They were made to keep flowers company. That's nice. I just thought that was just like such a lovely story. I love, I love the attitude of God in in so many of the stories <laughs> um, that were recorded by Zora Neale Hurston. Uh, from the African American community, I I love it because their their God has so much more of like a relatable personality, like the way that they've conceptualized like the Christian God that's been forced <laughs> on them, and so I love God's personality in so many of these stories. But like in that story, that's like so relatable that he's just like, I tried to make something nice, but making this field of flowers. And then immediately the flowers are like, oh, we're lonely. Don't we wish that there was somebody who would come around and keep <laughs> us company and talk to us and stuff? And he's like, oh, it's always something when I create and I love that attitude, that like personality that God has in uh-huh. these stories. And I also like to, and we've talked about this actually in with Zora Neale Hurston and stories that have taken um characters from like other mythologies, including. Like the Christian God. I'm including Christian God in a mythology. Taking stories from other mythologies and using them in still kind of like Porquois stories, creation stories. It's like one of those areas where the the line between Porquois story and creation myth mix together. And we're going to see that as we go on with the Porquois Tales series that what is pork What is legend? What is like heroic epic? These stories just all kind of overlap in categories with mm-hmm. each other. And there's such a variety in these like etymological tales. And I'm really excited to cover them this year. And obviously they're tales that are going to keep popping up even when we're not doing this series. <laughs> and so it'll be fun to just be able to identify like, Oh, this story is a lot like these ones, and these are the reasons why they use that story in this. And It's just going to give us such like a solid base to talk about these stories moving forward as well.
1: Thank you for listening to The Fairy Tellers. If you enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a review or share us with your friends. For access to exclusive bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon, at patreon.com slash the fairy special thanks to Andy Forey for our music and to Clarice inch for our artwork. And of course, a big thank you to all our patrons. Without all of you, this show wouldn't be possible.
0: Good stories pay little attention to cultural or linguistic frontiers. The student of story collections find themselves adrift on an ocean of stories, an ocean which is boundless, deep, and ceaseless in motion. Robert Irwin.
1: And with me talking?
0: Yeah, we'll end with you talking.
1: I, that's too much pressure. No, I won't. Let's stop unless you really really want me to. Actually no.